Welcome back to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm Trevin Solstice and sitting beside me in the passenger seat who pretty much over-exhausted and uh, slap-happy right now, Tanner Vernon. So, And in the back, co-piloting this whole adventure, or I should say... Maybe directing it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the title is. That's Garrett Drake hurting cats. <laughs> hurting cats. Exactly. Yeah, Trevor's a handful. We are driving through Lexington, Kentucky. As I said in the earlier podcast, things got a little bit crazy, just busy, and uh, so we're actually doing the podcast on our way home. We have 21 hours, and nothing better to do than to share this amazing adventure with you. So, hopefully you listened to the earlier ones, bringing you up to speed. We have now just officially recovered Kelly's amazing bull that she shot. And they have left. And it is the three amigos on their own. Were you pretty excited to be... uh, have recovered that bull, and now all we got to do is what? We had uh, a day and a half. Didn't we? A day and a half? Or did we have two and a half days? They left Sunday evening, and, and we had until Tuesday morning. So if they left Sunday evening, that would be Monday, Tuesday. That Yeah, that would be correct. We had a day and a half to get her done. Yep. What were you thinking at that juncture, Tanner Vernon? Oh... Uh. I was pretty confident. How about you speak up there, little buddy? <laughs> How about you not get so shy all of a sudden? Uh, yeah, no. Um, I, was, I don't know. These hunts, they always seem like they come down to the last day. I mean, not always, but some. a lot of times they come down to the last day. And sometimes... Well, let's, let's go back in history, in Kentucky specifically first hunt we actually stayed three days longer than we were supposed to yeah okay and the day that we had picked we have to leave by this day that morning Landon shot his bull and I shot my bull yeah last year the day before no Ashton shot and we had to leave sometime by the next evening because again we just drive straight through yeah and we shot uh, the day before we left. So, and yeah. both of those hunts previously were nine days, ten days. Yeah, those, those get to be long hunts, in, yeah. my, in my opinion. Yeah, and you can, like on that, you can start to, uh, you know, you you want to go home and see your family and whatnot, and. And you just, you've been hunting for so long. I mean, you can tend to let your guard down sometimes. And then that's when it seems like you miss an opportunity a lot of times. So it's important to, you know, stay focused until the last, the last hour, you know, the last seconds of the hunt and just hunt through it. You know, you bring up a good point. I, I know for me, I was struggling. I was struggling because, <clears throat> sorry about that. I was struggling because we spent the first five days 
not being able to hunt hardly at all. Right. And with weather, um, you know, you get into a situation like that. Last year, how many days did we go where we didn't hear a bugle? In Kentucky, we went through maybe one. No, I thought I thought we went through three or four days in a row where we didn't hear a bugle. Was it that long? I thought I thought so long. I might be wrong, but whether it's weather or you know just not finding animals, you still gotta you just gotta give it your all every time you go out. Yeah, that seems it's it'll happen to just the craziest time when you think it's not going to or it can't there's not enough time it can turn right around yeah so first morning Garrett what do we do that first morning do you remember I'm trying to think uh no no I don't remember (laughs) didn't we it would have been Monday morning yeah that's didn't we go on our little walkabout? Remember? And now when we found the coon hunter, we decided, yes. we decided, okay, we've been hunting this way. <clears throat> let's go and let's look at the other side of the, of the area and let's do some prospecting this call. Um, you know, we'd, we'd pretty much been concentrating on that ridge uh, or at least the couple of ridges on that side of you know that big impoundment um for three days four days so we were going to give it a rest right yeah and uh so we go over and we went to some interesting country and it was pretty foggy that morning if memory serves me correct yeah the fog definitely set in and it was foggy for a good good portion of the morning you bugled we got no response yeah and yeah we, we tried why don't we try, tried five different spots that uh, where we could broadcast to a whole bunch of country um, and just didn't get anything to bite um we came back we decided we'd go ahead and just drive around a little bit didn't we yep and that's when we went up parked and we heard him bugle no we were at we were at the glassing spot at the impoundment mm-hmm. we were literally and we heard him bugle and that's how that was a ways away where he was bugling at yeah too. that was a long ways we must have had the wind just right for it to carry and so <laughs> then we knew when he, when he bugled and we had a direction I remember you stood there with your arms almost <laughs> completely out and you said he's in this direction so basically this half of the world is where he's bugling from but the good thing is we knew some of that country so we went over to a spot that we knew would give some elevation and we listened and sure enough he bugled again yep and this was mid-morning 10 30 yeah wasn't it yeah maybe even t- maybe 10 10 30 but uh and he was not just bugling once, and then you wouldn't hear it. He was bugling pretty, pretty consistent. Yeah, he was, and I don't know if he bugled at me from the impoundment or if he was just 
bugling and then it happened to be right after I bugled because that's a long ways but yeah um, got him kind of located anyway in some country that we were sort of familiar with had been in there a little yeah. bit we worked around to I think the south side uh, again trying to get an angle on him so we could maybe get eyes on him but like every place else in that country it's just it's so thick it's it's hard to do much visually we really didn't have a chance to see him and we didn't expect we would we kind of had a feeling they were going to be getting pretty close to bedding yeah so we moved around and decided we'd go and check out an area because if he was in that draw chances are he was going to feed out in one or two places and we didn't know if we could get to a place where we could where we could see that yeah well the cool thing about it was we got up on top there and he sounded off and he sounded like he was just over the the edge yeah <clears throat> but i think he was further I think he was further. I think he was just bugling at us. Mm-hmm. So we set up thinking, okay, we're going to call him up this hill, and he wasn't leaving his cows. But you two sat there and challenged each other for about 15 minutes. Yeah, he'd definitely beagle back. and I mean, we didn't know we had cows at that point, but um, we were just kind of assuming. And I didn't. I honestly didn't think he, was, he would come out of there, which he didn't because he'd already uh, probably dropped off from a like a, a feeding and congregation area down into that stuff pretty far uh, into the bedding area. So l- unless they're really, really hot, they're not usually going to run out of that bedding area once they've got in there. But he was definitely vocal, the most vocal bull we've, we had the whole week. Yeah, actually, I think if you combine all the bugles we had over that week prior to that, he bugled more than that in that just one morning hunt. Yeah, he bugled a lot. He'd bugle every time I'd bugle at him or just sometimes on his own. Yeah, I think uh, I think what we did was smart. We did uh, find a road that went down that should have put us above him if he was in the bottom turns out he was on the other side of the draw and it put us right across from him yeah we couldn't see jack i mean it was so thick down in there so we just backed out of there and this was probably about 11 30 wasn't it yeah he was and he was still bugling at like 11 30 but he hadn't he hadn't moved really at all since probably since we first heard him he hadn't moved um so we knew he was better. And then when that, we got close on that road, we were probably only 150, 200 yards across the draw from him, but the canopy's so thick on both sides that we couldn't see, but we ended up hearing cows in there. Yeah. And so we knew he had cows. He wasn't, he wasn't going anywhere. He, yeah. he had to have had a hot cow in there because, I mean, just the way he was, he was acting so much more aggressive than any of the other bulls. Yeah, there could be something to that. I'm not but, sure. Anyway, so we backed out of there, 
and uh, went back to camp. Really kind of started getting stuff ready. I mean, I think we were all at that juncture ready to say, hey, we Kelly killed a bull. Trev missed a good bull. We've had a great adventure. Let's go home and see the fam and, you know, take care of other stuff. It's been a long trip. Well, that afternoon, again, going back to the same idea of Kelly's hunt, when we talked about that in the last podcast, it's a nice feeling to know, I, at least I have a plan. There's a bull here. Yeah. Let's see if we can go get on him. See, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least you're you're not, we're not trying to make things happen out of nothing. And that is, uh, and that's, yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah, you're just, you're way ahead when you have a, you know, a possible play like that. And I mean, instead of, you know, just not knowing where exactly a bull is and having to take, you know, precious minutes out of your evening hunt to locate one and then move in on him and and by then you it's getting dark and you don't have time yeah and and the i mean they're not they're not moving it's so hot they're not moving till almost dark as it is so yeah, it was 80 that, i think it got up to 83 or 84 that day yeah that window you have is short and you want to be able to capitalize on it and so i mean that was very encouraging knowing that we had had something to do that night had a hunt that uh we at least knew a bull was in there we headed back down to actually that same area where kelly shot her bull but we set up in a different down the down the main ridge a little further trying to find a spot to see um there's a power line that runs through there and there's some clear cut in in that power line and we've seen elk get in there and, and feed and we're thinking okay if we can get in a position where we're close enough we might be able to see them maybe even have a shot if we can work that to our advantage well we couldn't see nothing yeah and i think uh we and he got, wasn't he hadn't bugled at all yeah he hadn't he had shut up by that point and this was what, like 5 30 mm-hmm. 5 30 or 6 in the evening and we were just kind of just walking down that ridge trying to find a place to look down there we i mean you could see bits and pieces through little openings in the tree and then we found that found that little pine tree uh, i was like hey why don't you climb up in that so we gave you a little boost a little boost you guys <laughs> yeah <clears throat> I could, it, it was actually not bad climbing um i've I, I don't mind getting up there and getting settled, especially in a big pine tree like that. Finding me a couple limbs and getting situated. In, and I was able to see quite a bit more country. I, I never did. I sat up there for how long? Uh, I don't know. How? I played three solitaire games. Yeah, but you lose pretty quick at those, so that's not really saying much. I'd say 30 minutes probably. Okay. And he, he didn't bugle. Yeah. No, he and so you backed off. And, and we're approaching 6 o'clock again, trying to figure out what's going on so we have a play to make. Yeah. And I backed over. Um, 
the edge on the far side to try to get him to bugle um, because my thinking there is I don't want to influence where he ends up coming out so um, I don't want to seem like a threat because to just scream off the edge right there um, on the high ground on the high ground uh, is not always but sometimes you know I feel like it can influence where he's gonna head um, and he doesn't have a whole lot of control over you know eight cows or whatever he had in there but uh, I, I think that has that will influence where I'll go sometimes sometimes it'll pull him towards you uh, if he's hot but we just didn't we were still a few hundred yards out so we weren't inside that you know good that bubble like Jason Phelps talks about of 180 yards where you know they're probably gonna if you challenge them at that distance they're probably gonna have to do something about it um so yeah I backed over and just tried to send a beagle down down the adjacent draw just just to get him to sound off so he could know where he's at and it took a couple and I think I had to uh direct it a little bit more his way and he finally sounded off down and there and when he sounded of course I was still in the tree it he did he sounded like he was exactly where I would have s from this side of the canyon now where I would have estimated he was bedded so we knew we were you know our plan to come back in and get on him from a different angle was at least a, there's you know the old saying so you're saying there's a chance yeah and then we decided that to climb down and maybe try and work around at a little different angle and see if we could see where they were at and by then wouldn't you agree he was starting to move yeah it sounded like he was kind of moving uh well kind of the way we thought he would um if i would have had to guess that morning which way he would come out he kind of was going right there and we were set up pretty good to make a play on that on that side which just happened to be the exact same ridge where kelly shot her bull yep yeah just further a little bit further down mm-hmm. he's off the off the side of that ridge down the power line yeah so we got kind of in a position and called a little bit and uh i I think i actually even got set up with the with the shooting sticks um and in case he stepped out kind of like kelly's had had done you know uh two nights before and he didn't do it no but he he bugled again and we kind of we're able to pinpoint where he was at and you know he's still hanging off that side so we were able to move down further so we move down further we find a little opening and if i'm in the opening it's gonna what was i do i say 305 yeah right. 305 yards 300 and so the first thing you said is you you're gonna have to sit because it's a more stable shot yeah you know being able to sit down get steady Put your knees, your elbows on your knees, along with uh, you know your, you know your bog pod, or you know I, I use a, a three-legged bog pod, which is pretty stable 
for my front rest. Um, <clears throat> now, just just to, on a side note, Tanner has a lot more experience shooting rifles than I do. When, would would you agree with that? Well, I if you say so, then yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> well, I, what I mean by that is I don't I, I don't go out and even practice because yeah. I don't shoot a rifle that much. You know, the last time I've shot a rifle, I'm trying to think in the last five years was in Kentucky. Yeah. Um. And so, with that being said. There, just like with archery, just like with muzzleloader, just like with anything, there is um, tricks or tactics or uh, strategy. A lot of that uh, that is reinforced through practice. Yeah. And I don't practice. <laughs> yeah, but you should think so, about that. Yeah, I, sh- I should think <laughs> about that if I'm going to rifle hunt more. Because I enjoy it. I mean, it's different. I, I get frustrated rifle hunting because I feel like you have to wait on too many things to happen. Where bow hunting, I feel like I, I, can, I can take matters into my own hand. Yeah, you have to be closer. But for me, a lot of it is is the getting there, the getting closer, the trying to break that barrier to get into that close proximity where you can, where you can make a bow shot. I, I really like that. Um, so one of the things you told me was just talk, make, talking through um, being able to squeeze that shot off and, and the other thing we did do is we shot that rifle because again it's not mine just to make sure it was on you know yeah. we, we, we did that that gives you confidence um versus just hoping it's on that's kind of silly i would never shoot a bow and hope it's on yeah um so a couple things so so tanner i think you were kind of helping me in regards to that because i i'll never say i'm the best hunter number one but i'll never i'm just not a uh, i don't rifle hunt very much i used to a long time ago yeah but even then I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast when we would rifle hunt. We didn't even carry binoculars. We didn't. We, <laughs> you, you would work your way through country. You'd jump, jump deer up and you'd shoot them on the other side of the canyon as they came up. Yeah. And if you needed to look at something, you put your scope up, <laughs> which isn't good if you're looking at a person. No. Because, uh, but uh, so we sat up there and sure enough, a spike fed out into that opening. And we could hear him down into the left, still in the trees. Yeah. And then Garrett, did we move again before you actually saw the bull? Yeah, I, I think you wanted a better angle to be able to shoot into the clearing that that spike had just left from. And Again, we're assuming that he's going to step out into yeah, it. Yeah, I think we all kind of had an idea that that was a good good line of sight and so we were moving further on down the ridge when we bumped something we either bumped uh, that big bull or a cow that he was with 
and we just saw a flash of him and just just his rump and uh, a couple of tines Mm -hmm. disappearing into the the autumn olives and then kind of down the ridge into the basin and uh, and he wasn't going slowly at that point he and i never saw him because i'm still looking out in the opening and garrett says there he is and i'm like where 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 and then he's gone he was gone. Yeah, and he was right below us. And he had bugled uh, as you were moving over the edge, I think. And I could tell that he was right below us, like too close for us to see. And there's an opening down there, too, that I was I was thinking uh, that you, you might have been able to get a shot. Uh, so, yeah, he was uh, he was close. He was within a hundred yards probably the last time that he bugled right there and then Garrett you know says there he is I look up and sure enough there's him going the other way um, and you can just see you can just see his main beams basically from the back and I can tell he's a good bull and I don't know I don't know what happened I don't know if you were because what you were doing was you were moving over the roll of the ridge to where you could sit down and get a shot um, over that stuff because from the top that that was that stuff is so tall it's like waist high so when you sit down you're just going to be shooting through it so you have to kind of move over the roll where the hill drops off to be able to shoot above that from, right from a sitting position and so, so he might have or again like garrett says a cow saw me as i moved to the edge to get set up and of course, um, then the next bugle we hear is quite a ways da- or down. Well, I think it's quite a ways down the ridge. It could have been just around the roll of of the point of this ridge, uh, which is kind of the end of where this ridge tails off into the bottom. And um, you know, it, bugles can be deceptive, especially when they get some contour of the of the topography in, in the way yeah so well and especially when you're close like if there's a hill i feel like personally if there's a hill you know a smaller hill and he's you're on one side of it and he's directly on the other side um he's gonna sound further away than if you were up on the next hill further out just i I don't know it's something about the way the The acoustics yeah the acoustics and how that hill blocks the sound they can sound a lot further away than they are well, we we end up. Uh, I'll be honest, and I'm I'm frustrated because this is the last night, and you know I know that if we get up in the morning, well, that's a loud truck. If we if we get up in the morning, and um, are going to want to get out of roll out of camp around noon. And we kill something, and then if we have to track it, it could, yeah, it could that could put us r- literally right up against a full day, and then 20, 22 hours in the car. Yeah. So I'm frustrated, and I said, "What do you, what do you guys want to do?" And I think you guys both were like, "I, I don't know." And I'm said, "Oh, I'm going to do something." So <laughs> I go off, and and I. Uh, head down towards where I had heard him bugle and immediately hit a 
brick wall of briars. Yeah. And I think you worked around the other side, and didn't you see a cow? Yeah, I jumped a couple cows at like five yards out of that briar, that briar patch. So maybe they were coming through, and 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 anyway. Well, he bugled right then too, and he was a long ways from the cows. So I think those were just random cows ping-ponging back and forth out there somewhere. So then we realized that's not gonna work, so we worked back up. And did you look back down into that that same opening on that power line? Was it you, or was it Garrett that saw that small bull? Yeah, I looked down there and saw that bull coming back out into that power line. And I don't know. He said he was a spike. I think he has more than that, but not by much. He had a couple little points, but he's just a real he small. He was a raghorn. Real small raghorn. And this is last day. I like elk meat. What were your thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm like, I was like, well, he, he I mean, we're, we probably get a shot at this one. And I've never known Trev to not <laughs> take a shot yeah, at I'm him. Yeah, I'm a horrible trophy he's hunter. He's not a, not a great trophy hunter. He's a pretty good meat hunter. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, we're probably going to get a shot at this thing. And uh, I got, got his attention and. You stopped him three different times. Yeah, yeah. He was walking while you were getting on him, and he would, he would walk. He's headed into the thick stuff. I mean, you could kind of see the trail he was on and where it was going into. Just a, I mean, that opening was only 30, 40 yards across, and he was halfway across it by the time we got set up, and so I stopped him. He'd go to walk, and I cow called to him. And I think, I mean, you were, you were pretty tempted at that point. I, I had taken the gun off safety and I was applying pressure on the trigger twice. And I, I let up and I'm just like, ah, I don't know. And I look at him through the scope again and, you know, my meat hunting instincts kicked in and I'd settle those crosshairs and start to apply pressure and then uh, I don't know I don't know and then I finally just said you know what I didn't come to Kentucky and I think I even said this to you guys yeah I didn't come to Kentucky to shoot a bull like that yeah I love the meat but I I'm not I don't want to shoot a two-year-old bull or he was probably even younger than that yeah I mean by one half so as soon as I mean, literally, as soon as I finished saying that, what are you doing there? I'm sorry about that, folks. We almost got run over by a trucker who is either texting or feeding his dog. I'm not sure which. Um, so, anyway. Well, um, Trev, just to stop you ahead. real quick. Before you you dive into what happens next, I think an aspect of the hunt that up until this point that really resonated with me was the roller coaster of emotions that we had gone through and you know kind of having a uh, a long extended hunt like this and we had these chances i mean before that bull ran off and and bombed over the ridge like that was close like i think we all had you know that picture in the back of our mind of the, man this is going to work out like you're that close to it and then that opportunity gets taken away from you 
and you're dejected and you're kind of down on things. You're frustrated. Yeah, I wasn't mad you, at you guys at you all. You run into... Yeah. No, I, yeah, I'm not saying that you were. I, no, I think right. all of us felt that. You know, right. we're all invested in this hunt, you know, as a team. And that just goes, you know, I think that points to the bigger pictures of what we go through as hunters of these, this huge roller coaster of emotions. And I think at that point when you start to apply pressure on the trigger on the spike and then you back off and you made that decision not to shoot uh i mean that i, I think all I, I, you guys can chime in here but I, I think we were all kind of pretty low on the emotional scale at that point yeah i think part of it uh yeah i i would agree with that i mean with the ups and the downs of this hunt and the culmination to just finish it off by just shooting anything I I don't know but to me I, I was okay to I was okay to walk away with this hunt because of what we've gone through and I was okay to not have notched my tag because I felt like I should have notched it already like yeah. I had the opportunity and I let it get, I, I, I let it go uh, you know when I when I missed that that bull and uh, well we stood up and he sounded like he was coming big time yeah he sounded a lot closer right and so what Garrett and I did because what we're looking at from the angle he's coming now he's coming up over the point of the of the the ridge we're on he's not down to the to the west of us which he which is where he had been he'd worked his way around and had come up i don't know if that was because the cows i don't know if it was because when you were cow calling to stop that spike he you know whatever the things that added up to create this scenario he's coming so Garrett and I immediately, and again, we're running out of light now. Yeah. It's maybe 20 minutes of light left. You know, plenty, still good shooting light, still good filming light. Um, but uh, we got set up, and honestly, I turned my power down to three on the scope. Yeah. Because if he was going to bust through this... Uh, these briars and this autumn olive patch that was on the top of that point he was going to come in and it was going to be basically a 20 yard shot head on yep. and I didn't want to reach up there and you know on 7 power or whatever I had it on on that 300 yard shot um, or you know when I was setting up on that little spike and uh but he couldn't get to us. It was too thick. So he, you could hear where he could. He came and he stopped. And he, but he's still bugling. And for some reason, what did you, what you said? I'm gonna go back. Yeah. Well, at that point, you're looking at a wall of autumn olives, and so I mean, when you're, you know, he's over there. You gotta, you know, you want to find a shot. You you can't shoot through him. Um, and you can't shoot around them, so that you, leaves with shooting over them. You can't see them. through them, so you can't even, I mean, 
you yeah, can't so, acquire a target so your only option then is to shoot over them so behind us there was a little rise and then and then a, a bigger rise up to the top of the ridge which would have been quite a ways but i remember being able to see a little bit of the top of that and it's super thick up there but so i was like well i mean that's the only only thing i can think of is to be able is to get a little bit of elevation on that rise it's going to put us you know 80 yards further back um, but at least maybe you could see over the top well so. and you were calling as you were going back too to me in that scenario you're also going away hoping to if that bull feels okay at 80 yards or 50 yards or whatever that yardage was if you backed up away maybe he would feel okay at you know with that yeah. cushion yeah and i wasn't i wasn't confident that he was gonna come because he had he did have cows and uh, but just to keep his attention and keep him around i was was more what i was doing it for but yeah i got i got back and i climbed up on that rise and i started glassing there's this there's pretty much still just a wall of trees and then there's one notch through the trees and i i put my binos up and i could see a cow's head in there and i'm like well that is really thick and because i can literally just see the top of her head and her ears and i'm sitting there looking at her and looking at her and i put my binos down and he as, i must have just been putting my binos down because i put my binos down and as soon as i looked i could see an elk standing there so i immediately pull him back up and it's that it's the bull and he had just walked up on some kind of a little rise and he was just perfectly in that notch and <laughs> so then i started trying to get your guys attention but he's looking right right down towards me so i was kind of i was kind of stuck right there in the open um it was a ways it was 250 yards or so somewhere in there but he was still kind of looking my direction i had been standing still so he didn't he didn't pick me out or anything, but if I'd have moved, he definitely would have. And, and I don't know why we looked back. Maybe I, I, I don't. I don't remember. Um, but I remember I looked back to 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 kind of check on you, and you are frantically trying to get us to come join you. <laughs> yeah, and I was <laughs> I was back there making noise and stuff, but I'm like any noise that they can hear that bull's gonna hear too and so i i wasn't <laughs> i was pretty i was pretty glad when you finally, how long were you, you trying to get our attention before we actually turned uh i mean it's not a long time it was probably 30 seconds but it seemed like forever because the bull's just standing i mean i could have he's just staring at you i could have shot him <laughs> he's just staring at me the only hole the only shooting lane on on that hole hill and he's standing in the middle of it and honestly i didn't think he would he would stand there um but yeah you finally finally turned around and i'm telling you to run <laughs> and i remember i just grabbed my uh my bipod or my uh you know the bog pod there and of course now garrett he's got this monstrosity of a of a tripod how was that for you because we had to literally run that 200 yards um and then you we got to a point and you told us stay down stay down but keep coming and 
Yeah, that wasn't pretty. I mean, if you could, <laughs> if you could step back and watch that whole circus unfold, <laughs> that would probably look pretty silly. What we were doing. I mean, bog pods going everywhere and tripod legs going everywhere and cameras tipping upside down and but uh I, man i wouldn't i wouldn't give that up for anything and that's that's the adrenaline rush that we all love about it and as as stressful as it can be at times that's when you look back at it that's just a blast so we get up to you and you, you said I remember you said you're gonna have to go higher because you're gonna have to sit down to make this shot. He's standing right. No, no, you no. The first thing you told me is turn around. He's right there, and so I turn around. The first thing I do is I try and sit down. Well, I lose sight of him because we're still too low. Yeah. And and you're like no 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 don't sit here, come on up here with me, and we actually moved further. I remember one time Garrett, Garrett's setting the tripod up because of course his tripod, you're about the same height as I am standing. Right. So you could have filmed from there. Four eight. No. <laughs> I'm a I'm five eight, okay? Oh. I'm five eight. I was off. And uh but yet you but I I had to shoot and you would have been in front of the muzzle, which of course would have not been a good thing. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. So <laughs> so we flip flop, you get behind you know, I go up to where I can sit down, start to get my you know, of course, setting a, uh, a, a bog pot up, a, th- a three-legged bog pot up in this Cerisa is, uh, it's like a, a Rubik's Cube uh, in a dark room. Almost impossible. We fought through it. I get it set up. I get everything adjusted. And by then, I think you're already on him, Garrett, because you got set up pretty quick. And then... <clears throat> I ranged him and um, get the gun on him, and my heart is pounding. <laughs> uh, sure, the adrenaline, but my heart is pounding because I just sprinted 200 yards. Not sprinted, but, you know, basically hustled and then kind of low crawled up to this spot. And he's still just standing there. And he's looking at it. He's cor- he's He's sideways, but he's quartering too, pretty hard. Yeah, that window was uh, small enough that he was standing in, and it was close to him. Well, it, I guess it was kind of, it was a ways out from him, but it was closer to him. But it, it was so that he couldn't see us very good. And if we just moved a little bit, uh, we could change our view quite a bit. So, we're, I mean, he, didn't, he couldn't see you running down the road or anything. Um, he probably saw you when you set up that last last part, but it's not like he was sitting there looking at you. He was just, I had bugled at him, and so he was just looking over there to try to locate that bull that had just bugled. These elk are interesting because they're so used, their vocalization, although we didn't hear a lot of it till later in the hunt, um, they are used to that vocalization because they can't see. Yeah. It's so thick. It's like hunting um, elk and oak brush. You'll get a lot of that same type of thing because elk and oak brush, they can't see each other, but they might be 20 yards from each other. Yeah. So it's how they communicate. So I get, I turn, well, actually when I was coming over, I turned my scope up to seven, I think is what I, I turned it up on as I was getting further away. And I'm glad I did that because he would have been really small on three power. <laughs> and uh, 
And I remember clicking the safety off and putting that crosshair on his shoulder. And I remember it just going all over because I was breathing so hard. So then I'd hold my breath and I'd start to apply pressure and it would, and it would, I'd pull it over. Yeah. So I think three times I backed out of it, took a couple deep breaths, leaned in, tried to get steady again. And Tanner, you just, you, you did a great job just because of, with everything going on, I knew Garrett was on him and Tanner just keeps saying, just break him down in the shoulder. Cause we'd had that discussion earlier. Yeah. And it was really what he was giving me. Yeah, and you, you're not going to get a second shot in that stuff. No, uh, there's no way. It's just not going to happen. He's out of shooting lane in a half step. And, yeah, you just really have to make that first one count. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I'd like to say it was an amazing feat of marksmanship. But really, I think what it was was me getting myself calmed down, catching my breath enough to where I could, you know, after th- really three times of backing off, getting settled back up, and then starting to, squ- you know, apply pressure. And I, the one thing I do remember is the gun surprised me, yeah, which is good. And the and we weren't sure. Of course, he wheels. Boom, I, I shoot. He wheels, and he heel, wheels to the right and, and disappears immediately. Yeah. And um, we are, first of all, really glad that I passed on that little bull. <laughs> yep. Now, really, really glad. And second, we're like, okay, wh- what do you think of the shot? Well, you couldn't hear if I hit him. No, because it, again, you're right there by the gun, and it's you know, if you were probably on a different ridge, you would have probably heard something. And uh, so, one of the advantages we have of of a camera capturing everything you do is we immediately watch the footage. Yeah. Would you Would you get out of that? Um. Well, I mean, I think as soon as I watched it, because. I mean, normally I'd be, I mean, I, I would have liked to have been watching him through binos, obviously, when you shoot, but I, you know, I'm looking at a a tiny little screen on the camera uh, trying to capture it, and so I, I couldn't tell what his reaction was. When he, I could just tell that he spun and took off. So I think as soon as Garrett got that up on the bigger monitor on his camera and played it back, as soon as I saw... Uh, his reaction uh, when he got hit, I was I was very confident uh, that he would be right there. That it was a really good hit. Um, it just looked like he he lifted his leg. Uh, he kind of lifted his leg and spun on on one leg, his front shoulder. And it looked like it, you know, basically what we wanted to do broke that front shoulder down and hit lungs and possibly heart is what my initial my initial reaction was uh, and Tanner you pointed out that not only did he lift his his knee up it also 
it also it, angled uh, out. Yeah, like hinged it, out. You just too. wouldn't see that, that looked like a totally unnatural movement. And, yeah, and that, you pointed out that, well, in order for him to do that, there's got to be a bone that's broken in there. Yeah, and it's above, you know, it's somewhere um, between the top of his shoulder, between his spine and the, and the, uh, you know, the bottom of his his chest so you know there if you have a bullet in there somewhere it's gonna do do its job and uh, I mean as soon as I I couldn't tell that I couldn't tell all of that from just looking at the monitor but I, I was I was very confident after I mean I think I, I was like oh yeah as soon as as soon as he played it back on the monitor I was just I said oh yeah and just walked off because I, I was really confident that you'd made a good shot and ha- after having blood trailed Kelly's for so, you know, that ha- however long. Yeah. It was, uh, we got people throwing gang signs at us with this rack in the back. Um, <laughs> uh, here on the highway. Um, home, we don't play that. Um, we, uh, we wanted to be cautious, but you really felt like we need to go recover this bull tonight yeah he's not going to be far you felt confident but the problem was we really weren't we don't like to recover bulls at night um because the recovery is so difficult the blood trail is so difficult especially with all this doing this on camera but the flip side of that is you know you're going to have so much so much better chance of reducing any spoilage at all and um and you know you kind of owe it to the animal Mm -hmm. um so there's that little bit of a i don't know um ethical quandary but one thing we did know is is you know it's not going to hurt anything to give him 40 minutes and go back to camp and grab our lights we had headlamps but we wanted to grab uh, our big lights and uh and then go and get on the on the blood trail um so we did that and in the meantime we got a hold of todd and kelly and let them know hey we, we hit this bull we think everything seems good um uh you know we're gonna go uh, get on the blood trail well it just so happens they they wanted to come join us and yeah. they knew exactly where we were at because she had killed her bull there so we got packed up actually we did watch it on the uh yeah, we, at the uh, at the camp we threw it on the laptop threw it on premiere and 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 slowed it down frame by frame yeah and it, and then you could tell that when he picks his uh like Garrett was saying, when he picks his leg up uh, at the shot, it's his leg was also hinging outward in a completely unnatural way. So you know there was a, you know, part of that shoulder is broke. So that I mean that just made me more confident. Right. So, uh, let me also tell you just the walk back to the truck from where we're at and then the hike back to not the truck it was the side we were on a side by side and you know we had parked a ways away um 
we're drenched oh, yeah. in sweat. I mean, just drenched. Um, it's so humid. It's still 70, 70 degrees or so, mm-hmm. I would say. And we get back. Um, I actually went and put a dry shirt on because mine was completely soaked. And uh, we grab. I think we grabbed a little something to eat. I think uh, a couple of Yetis. Yeti, uh, Mount yeah. Ops Yetis. And uh, I know I, I uh, downed a, a quick ignite just to, because I knew it was going to be a long night. If we got in there and if we had to blood trail him, we might have to buck, uh, back out. But if we got in there and um, we found him, we knew it was going to be a, a late night. Yep. Um, but we were ready for that. I thought I was ready. You thought you were ready, yeah. Well, we head out. Todd and Kelly are headed our way. Luckily, we didn't have to wait for them. Um, oh, I remember I grabbed a set of leather gloves I had in my pickup. And a big, ho- uh, like a 12-inch Huey Man saw. Yeah. Because we were going to have to literally cut a trail to get to him because we had tried earlier with Kelly's bull to to see if there was a way through that and we couldn't find a way so we get down there we start blazing a trail and how long did it how long how many we cut and cut and cut and cut and it's these it's like a rose bush vine is what these briars are yeah and it it grabs you in one part and you go to jerk away from it in another part and then it wraps around your arm and so i'm you know you need almost a machete yeah or a bulldozer or a bulldozer (laughs) or we were talking about one of those weed whackers uh, weed eater with the big metal blades yeah Um, some and so we get up there get up there and then then it's of course it's it's dark now so uh, luckily i had saved uh, a screenshot of where that bull was standing in my phone or I had a little video oh you know what I did is I recorded the shot in slow motion on my phone from the monitor yep and so we're we're using that and looking at the, the you know the little spot trying to figure out exactly where he was standing and we had a pretty good idea yeah and so what's the first thing you do you look for blood and Garrett and I immediately start looking for for blood and you just wandered off yeah well it doesn't do me any good because I can't see the freaking blood so yeah that's true that's true <laughs> so Garrett and I got on what a couple specks of blood yep right yep. away and um and we're starting to try and figure out okay I think maybe he went this way literally we hadn't started for it hadn't been three minutes five minutes since we'd found our first blood and we're working down the blood trail. And Tanner comes back. Hey, Trev. Your bull's right down here. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Garrett's mad because cameras aren't running. Oh, right? mine was. Oh, yours. You were. <sighs> what are you looking at? Keep going. <laughs> Tanner's gawking it girls as we're going by um just keep the window down or up 
we uh, I, I was in shock of course and then so then we go off the edge of the hill big bull big bull down not 25 yards 30 yards from where I shot him and yeah. we figured most of that was just his momentum yeah, over the hill pretty steep right there and he slid onto really the flattest spot around there. Yeah. We were very fortunate. And I, I want to bring one point up. After the shot, both Tanner and I thought we heard like a, a gurgling um, type of sound. But I'm, I, I was like, what's, that's, what's that? What's that? You know, I mean... Uh, you listen for the what the the death moan with bears and stuff you know i mean i never heard anything with elk yeah uh, i mean it just sounded like labored breathing like yeah. he was just losing air uh, from his lungs or whatever and but it was super faint and hard to tell we were kind of talking when we heard it so uh you know it's hard to say because i mean he was a couple hundred yards from us yeah uh through a bunch of thick stuff so it's we couldn't be positive that that's what it was. Yeah, so I was, what is this, per, this person? Kentucky drivers. Um, we love you. Uh, so I was pretty jacked. Um, I, I, I was pretty excited. And then... Then you revealed the secret. <laughs> well, I think I, I had told you. Yeah, I didn't believe you. I, I told you after after you shot that it was the bull that you had missed earlier. Really, really nice bull that you had missed earlier. Um, Say his name. <laughs> I think it was like Mikey or something. It's old uh, Greg. <laughs> yeah, Trevor named him old Greg and... If anybody's seen that video, that's just I, it's just a creepy name to. But I know, but you're the one that that <laughs> oh, I got love, me. I love that video, but that's just a, it's just a, it's just creepy. Anyway, but so, so it was old Greg. So I was like, I was like, after Trev shot, I was like, hey, that was that was old Greg, and he's like, no, don't tell me that. Like, and of <laughs> course, I'm saying don't tell me that because I want. I had I, you know I snuck in there did everything right and missed him and uh you can't you can't play out a storyline better than uh being able to have redemption or a and, second opportunity and we talked about that earlier in the day is yeah. the funny thing we're like what if what if we were able to get back on that bull and and get it what how cool would that be and yeah, yeah he didn't believe me when i because i mean i got a pretty good look at him with my binos but i didn't tell him yeah you did you I'd did the smartest thing possible if you'd have told me it's old greg shoot him i'd have i'd have missed him so f <laughs> yeah i would i probably wouldn't even hit the hillside uh, did you guys have a hunch going into that spot at after that bull in the morning that that was old greg he said he did. I don't know if I believe him. Well, I so I don't know if it was a hunch. I I thought that it could be. Just the way he bugled was I felt very similar and uh, we, we hadn't seen him and Yeah, we hadn't seen him uh, at all, which was weird. 
because when we saw him the first time, he was he had a, I guess I didn't I didn't really see it, but uh, he had a bad limp. Garrett said he had a bad limp, so I mean, I didn't know what had happened to him if he was just if he got infected and is laid up or something. You know, we hadn't seen him, but yeah, when he was bugling, uh, he definitely had. Well, obviously it was the same bugle, but to me it just sounded. Uh, similar to that bugle, so I see. I didn't feel like we got onto any bulls that had a distinct bugle this time. No, there's been times in the past. I think last year we called him JP Gatekeeper. Yeah, um, Jurassic Park Gatekeeper, <laughs> um, and he, that bull had a. I mean, when you heard that bull bugle, you knew exactly what bull that was. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I mean, I wouldn't call it a hunch, but I definitely had a, you know. I felt like it could have been that bull for sure. I figured because Kelly had removed what we all figured was the ultimate dominant bull in that area, some other bull was going to move in there and take over those cows. Yeah. And just kind of knowing the other caliber of bulls in the area, old Greg was definitely right up there with Kelly's bull. He was definitely a big-bodied bull. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to see to see what his age is uh, but so question um when when you caped out kelly's bull Mm -hmm. and you noticed that he had a puncture in his neck yeah we started thinking well we said this well the day i missed that i missed uh that bull was you know, he had such a severe limp. Man would like to see the bull that that kicked his butt and made him that sore, right? Yeah. It made us start thinking. I wonder if the fight between old Greg and the bull Kelly killed, he has a puncture in his neck. Old Greg has a limp. Yeah. You know? Um, did they cause it to each other? And the uniqueness of... This, the bull that I shot, he's got these points that go out. I mean, that could I, it totally make sense. Well, and his brows are really sharp. I think Garrett had said something about that, too. It's I haven't seen very many uh, brow tines that are that. Like, I thought I, I, I think I poked a hole in my pants with one of his brow tines, uh, last night just kind of slipping in it because it's just like a lot of times those will get kind of worn down from well even from fighting or from rubbing or rubbing the ground when he when they feed or you know rubbing up against stuff and his his points are just really sharp up front and i don't know exactly why that is but Hmm. How cool would it have been to see that fight? No, oh, that would have you been You talk awesome. about a knockdown oh, drag-out yeah. fight. That would have been a good one. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Well, we uh, we find him, and, and uh, uh, you know, it was just, just, it was a dream. I mean, literally a dream uh, type of scenario. Yeah. And, um, and then the cool thing was, then we hear Todd... And Kelly show up, and we can hear their four wheeler or the side by side, and then they come and join us. And so it was so awesome to have them 
come. I mean, and they live a couple hours away. Yeah. And they came all the way out. It's right now. It is midnight, and Kelly and Todd are sitting there discussing the whole adventure on a hillside through some rough briar, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just really awesome. We got to take pictures with my bull with them. Yep. Um, you know, it was cool to be able to be in, you know, taking pictures with them, with her bull, but then to have her there with me, that was just amazing. And then uh, we started breaking him down, and Todd helped us, and then there was a point where we just said, you guys go home, man. You go home, because Todd had to, I think he had to get up at like four and go somewhere, and we should have just told him to stay, because he could have left right from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was incredible, and then we ended up getting him broken down, which was really good because it was really hot last night. Yeah, it did not. Cool it did off. not cool off at all. So we were able to get him uh, cut up. Hung we hung him up in a tree um, as we finished him off, caped him out, and then um, then we loaded up the old kafaru's. And, oh, man, tell us about your first trip out. I don't know what you were smoking or what you were doing. I'm sure glad you did it. Well, it's only, I don't know how far the walk is. It wasn't very far, but I know that I have packed out elk and deer a lot further in Colorado. And... I would much rather do that than going, what, I mean, two, three hundred yards through those briars and, and autumn olives and what was What was hard for me, to be honest, was the side healing with the Cerisa that we had now trampled down, but it was so humid that it was slick. Yeah, well, and the fog uh, rolled in. Too. So you're like literally wet from the. I mean, you're just there's like water drop dripping off your hat, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's so it's, you're just in a cloud. And, it's hashtag moist, and <laughs> which very moist, and uh, <laughs> and it, it was bad. Like you just, oh, it was awful. Um, so you, sweating does you no good because it doesn't. You don't cool down at all because you're already there. Um, but yeah, it's, I, there's, I've packed stuff out several miles in Colorado that, you know, I would not take that every day over 300 yards through Briar Patch. And you, you grabbed a hind quarter and a front quarter. Yeah. And, and I took, took those out. I remember you just needed us to help you stand up and I just wanted to make you guys feel good. Like you were doing something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. I know that when you disappeared, it was like okay, and and so I'm I'm I don't have a a big pack. I have a uh, what is that? That's the 22 mag. So that means I loosen my pack from my frame and slide the the. Uh, I took what did I take? I took the other hind quarter. Yeah. And um. And then you cinched it back. Garrett leaves the camera equipment, grabs his pack. Now, um, you grabbed 
all the other scrap meat. Well, I shouldn't say scrap, but the you, all the, the loose meat. All the loose meat because yeah. you uh, you had a bag, you put it in that bag, and I actually um, I I meant to bring game bags and I forgot to order them, and then on the way here I'm just like, oh oh well. Um, so Garrett used a, a bag. We got he put it in his. And then Garrett and I start going, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. And um, I'm like, which way do I go? Because I'm so turned around at this <laughs> juncture. I'm, you know, I've been, this bull is so amazing. I did, coming in, I kind of just followed you guys. I didn't pay attention to much. And, oh, I know what I was doing. I was, I was cleaning the trail, so I really wasn't concentrating. I was just, you would tell me, go left. So I'd clear a trail there. And, Garrett, you had gone back and kind of helped clean even more. So I'm I, not sure what he did when he went back. Yeah, kind of had to use the bathroom. Um, it was pretty bad still. Hey, it was bad. Period. I anyway. got I got turned around. I know that. <laughs> you almost got proud. lost. I did. He was just lost for 30 minutes, not clearing clearing any trail. So I climbed to the top, and I say, "Hey, Garrett." So do I go? The, he goes, just stay, get, get on a trail and go. It, it, he says, it really doesn't matter as long as you can just go that way. I said, okay. And Garrett's a ways behind me. And he gets started and starts going. And um, and then pretty soon I hit a pretty bad patch of briars and this and that. And then I take another way and then pretty soon I look his lights way ahead of me but I'm up on the hill and I'm like are you on the trail because yeah I'm on the trail and I'm like dude I'm stuck up here and he's uh, like well just come down here and hit this trail so I had to backtrack all the way back get behind him and I'm like don't leave me out here <laughs> it was almost it was pretty comical I was actually sitting there for probably five minutes just sipping on a water at the Side by side and laughing just, at just us? listening to you guys, mm-hmm. the sound carrying through there—it was hilarious. Yeah. Well, we—the crazy thing is when you got in there. I don't. I don't know how far it was. Maybe the first hundred yards was the slippery side hill. Yeah. Okay. The second wasn't bad. Then you got into some trees, which we had pretty much carved our way through. So you're going over and under, and you know I'm a I'm a I'm just a little guy, and <laughs> so I'm trying to crawl over and under. Anyway, it was it was it was fun. It was it wasn't fun when we were doing it. It hurt so good, but uh, it's still not fun. It'll be fun tomorrow, but I, I'm yeah. not. It's not yeah. fun yet. Yeah, that's why you're so. Uh, you've been trying to fall asleep through. This whole pod, this and the last podcast, but we got that load. We went back in. You grabbed the last of the. Uh, um, you grabbed the last foreleg. Um, then we turned around. Garrett ended up grabbing all the camera equipment, and you grabbed the head and the hide. Of course, we uh, um, basically just ran it up to that last joint in the in the neck, and you'd cut it off, but it still had all the hide. Yeah, and you were gonna try and carry the hide and the antlers over your pack with the 
foreleg, well, that wasn't working. So we ended up strapping it to my my pack, and and Garrett basically had to just guide me. He was behind me, and he would lift on one side, lift on the other, because now not only am I short, but now I have these anchors of antler catching every brush and twice Garrett had to get have me get on my on my belly well I'd get on my all fours turn around backwards and then he would guide me backwards so I could get under a branch and then I'd have to swing anyway it was it was quite comical initially I thought I was afraid that you were gonna fall over backwards it was so the slope was so steep right and then you'd be turtle shelling there, <laughs> not be able to I'm go a turtle, anywhere. I'm a turtle. I, you know what? I probably would have just taken a break there until someone came and got me. <laughs> yeah, but we got it back. And uh, when it, what time did we end up back at camp? About three o'clock. Yeah, pushing three. And uh, this morning. So then we got some sleep, and I couldn't. I I woke wide awake at about seven thirty, and tried to force myself to go back to sleep. It had rained, or it was was raining pretty hard. I don't know what time. I just remember it woke me up, and, uh, and that cooled things off a little bit. But the good thing is we were able to get back and get the meat in the cool, at least in in our our big Yeti two ten with some with some ice. And uh, and then we knew we were breaking camp down today. We got up and got things cleaned up, and yeah, here we are. Headed out. Going across a big bridge. What bridge is this? A big A bridge. Uh, I don't know. What, what, a... what river is outside of Louisville? Is that the Mississippi? No. Are is we in Louisville? Yeah, we're listening to this Louisville. Is that the Mississippi? Ohio, maybe? Yeah, maybe we're just gonna sound stupid now. We are. So, um, if you know what river this is, good for you. Um, (laughs) You paid attention, and we're going into New Albany. And geography. And geography. Geometry. (laughs) Geology. (laughs) Oh, so that kind of—I mean, I don't know if you could write a better storyline than what we went through on this hunt in reference to. Uh, the excitement, you know, the the interaction, and then, uh, you know, to be able to have another chance and actually get to kill that bull, uh, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, to be at that low of you just missed the best bull of your life, and then come back however many days later and and. Uh, get a shot on him again is pretty yeah. pretty incredible right glad i was there yeah i'm glad you were too it was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun a lot of fun and and you know it's these these adventures here in kentucky have been different but but again like i said before it's it's something special because of the people we get to share it with and you know it's just good people um quality individuals so that's been my takeaway from this trip is we get to travel around the country and meet a bunch of different people and we've got great friends in Missouri and met some really cool guys in California and uh, I would put Todd and Kelly and their family right up at the top of just great people to hang out with and we could go anywhere and hunt with them and have a good time and I think that's just 
you know, a tribute to, to the t- type of people that they are and uh, how much we really enjoy being around them. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and for me, especially with this podcast and this the idea to, to being able to uh, embrace your wild, whatever that might be, this is a different kind of wild. I think that all three of us can say we've never prior to these adventures ever thought we would have the opportunity to do yeah um to be able to come out here and an animal that we're all familiar with that we've all hunted we've all killed and to do it in this environment in this wild place under these conditions totally different humid briars autumn olives versus dry uh, you know, oak brush, scrub pines, you know, stuff like that. Totally different, totally different uh, setting. Yet the 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 core that that core wildness is still there, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're hunting. You know, just being able to hunt a, f- a familiar uh, animal in a very very unfamiliar area, and and. Uh, type of terrain is just it's cool it's so funny because we meet so many people that have uh, guy today came in um and part of his job is he drives around and he and he takes samples of the water holes and and the creeks and stuff like that uh, being able to check for contamination and stuff like that from from these mines and big time hunter killed some great whitetail he's out of west virginia um, and and he's like, man, I just, I, I didn't think there was any elk, hardly any elk here. I don't see him at all. Yeah. And it's so different because it's so thick. These elk can hide so well. And if you're just tooling around, not looking for him, I mean, it's not like you're going to bump into him on the road. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, as, as they've opened up more and more of this property to public land hunters um, it's not public land but it's treated like public land if you have a tag you have access to this now yeah. not all of this there are some spots that that are still you know you don't allow hunting and stuff like that or uh, they don't allow everybody to, the general public to, to access them but one thing we've seen is that we hear stories of five years ago where the elk just stood around and watched. And you'd drive by them as long as you didn't get out of the pickup or get out of the side-by-side. They'd stand there. Yeah. These elk are not doing that anymore. I think these elk are understanding what it is to be hunted. And um, and and it makes it it's challenging. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not shooting fish in a barrel. No, I've had, I've had over-the-counter... Uh, Colorado hunts like, all the time that are uh, the elk are much more vocal than what they were here and uh, you know it makes finding them a lot easier and you're hunting a lot more elk in yeah, Colorado that's true um, there's herds there's specific herds in like the flat tops herd is bigger than the whole the herd in the whole state of Kentucky so right yeah 
it's tough. It's people like even me coming into this last year, that first time, I'm like, well, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a UU bar hunt yeah. or, a, you know, it's just going to be stupid, do the hill ranch or something. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a Primo's video, basically, is what right. you, you tend to think coming into this, and it's just so much different than reality. Right. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, boys, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And it's been a great adventure, and I don't know, uh, you know, I guess I just want to take a second and thank uh, the Tackett family, um, Ashton, Landon, Kelly, Todd, Pa, all, you know, Mike, um, Jack for coming over, Jack Long, um, and helping. Uh, we got to meet some great people. Uh, Teresa, who works in the in the office of where we basically were living. <laughs> Let's tell them about our shower, shall we? Mm. Yeah, I think we need to. Okay. So. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know we're basically uh, camping. Fix my headset here. We're basically camping outside of an old mining office. Now, it's the mining office is fine. I mean, there's, I don't know, 12 rooms in there and a break room, which was basically our uh, kitchen because I forgot to bring our camp stove. I left it at the house. So I was like, oh, crud, because normally I just cook on a two-burner stove, and I totally forgot it. So we were happy to have a stove and a fridge right there. We didn't expect that, but it was nice to have. Well, Teresa uh, does a lot of the environmental work and some uh, some different things, and she's at the office all the time, and she was a lot of fun to get to know. She'd come in, and, and I think I, we made her a burrito one morning and um, different things, and we'd talk and so it was great great to get to know her but one thing that didn't work although there's bathrooms there the shower didn't work yes and in kentucky you probably if you really are being honest with yourself you probably need to shower twice a day (laughs) and um well they had a utility closet that had a base that's basically for filling mop buckets. Yeah, has a little and hose. Has a, a little hose in it, and it had, uh, you know, kind of a little bathtub. Uh, not a bathtub. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, it's just kind of like a little... It's not a sink, it's like a, but it's, it's like a sink that sits on the floor. Yeah. So like the base of a shower, but without the doors going all the way up. So, uh, and in the uh, the water faucets are probably about knee high, and then there's a hose coming out. Anyway, um, you get the point. Uh, about the fifth, fourth, or fifth day, uh, Todd realized we were showering in there because there was no hot water. So we were just showering in there using the hose, and we'd put the hose on our head as we stood there. And then we'd lather up, you know, and then we'd rinse ourselves off. That's how we were taking a shower. And he goes, well, why don't you turn the hot water heater on? So he turns the hot water heater on, and then we had hot water. But that was our shower. We just hope nobody walked into the utility closet while you're standing there in the, in yeah. the, in the, in the buff. It gets a little awkward, but yeah. we worked through it. 
but what a crazy adventure well that's all I got you guys any thoughts my brain's not functioning well, right now you need to sleep Garrett, <laughs> Garrett? long drive a long drive it, it, I think this hunt would be more enjoyable without 24 hours each way uh, I mean that's that just takes a lot out of you uh, and as we've seen the last two years well this year and the year bef before the drive is a huge part of the journey yeah uh, just because it never goes smoothly yeah. So, yeah yeah well let's not say anything now it's not jinx yourself <laughs> it's really nice when you go though from packing out at three in the morning to driving that's same you got dude you you slept till nine o'clock yeah i mean three to nine that's six hours man i don't know if that's quite that much but yeah we'll let you have your day <laughs> oh well thanks for listening we appreciate you guys sharing this adventure with us and uh, following along. Hopefully, we painted some good word pictures where you can actually get a glimpse of, of what it is to come to a place like Kentucky and, and hunt elk. So, um, as always, we want to inspire you to find your wild and, and embrace it. And uh, we've got... According to my GPS, 15 hours on the road. God bless.